On that note, little did I know that this morning we'd be talking about husbands and wives on Mother's Day. Oh, man. I prayed a lot this week. One of those prayers, prayers uh, Lord, if there's any way out of this, let me know. <laughs> uh, well, there's a, as we get going this morning, uh, short story, you know, there's a classic movie that my family loves. I, I've, I've kind of quoted it from time to time. It's a movie from the 80s. We enjoy watching it as a family. And my kids quote lines from this movie uh, when they're given the chance. And given the opportunity this morning, I could not pass up the chance to quote the movie as well as we set the tone for our study this morning in, in First Peter. Marriage is not what brings us... Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream, in love, true love, will follow you forever. So treasure your love. Classic movie, of course, is Princess Bride. This morning... In all seriousness, this morning we will be concluding our three-part mini-series in First Peter, as we've been, uh, for the last several weeks now, been studying slowly through First Peter. The last uh, several messages, the last three, well, last two, this would be the third, we kind of started a mini-series in First Peter, where Peter starts focusing on certain uh, relationships that the believer is in and finds themselves in. The first relationship that Peter unpacks is, is the believer to governing authorities. Last session, uh, last week, we, we focused on servants and masters. This week, Scripture leads us to husbands and wives. Uh, so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 this morning. We've, we've titled this little mini-series called To Live as an Example, because in each of these relationships, Christ calls us to live as an example, as his example. And so this morning, we, we get to shift to the relationship of husbands and wives. And, and, you know, I recognize that maybe not everyone here this morning is married or a husband or wife. Maybe you're a teenager, and you're not yet to this stage of life. And you might sit here and go, well, I can tune this one out. I don't need to listen to this one. But I encourage you that this message will still be beneficial to you, because the principles that we find in Scripture are relatable, whether you find yourself as a husband or a wife, or yet to be. And so uh, let us open our... Bibles together as we get started uh, to 1 Peter 3, and let us begin by seeking him uh, in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just uh, come before you, Lord, and we thank you for our mothers. We, we really do. We, we are thankful that we're able to have a little bit of fun this morning, and, and as we come to your word and, and really uh, across a, a passage of scripture that uh, maybe isn't in some eyes, the best passage for Mother's Day, but uh, arguably, maybe it is. Lord, as we focus on the relationship of wives and husbands and unpack your word, Lord, I, I pray that uh, you would speak, that you would reveal why 
you're addressing wives and husbands in this way and, and how each role in the marriage has purpose and value and that you have designed it this way. So Lord, as we read your word this morning, I pray that you would speak, Lord, that I would simply get out of the way and allow you to, to speak through your Holy Spirit, through your word, as we come together to continue our worship of you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So this morning we're going to be reading uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1-7. through 7. I'll be reading in the English Standard Version. You can follow along as I read. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which, is, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter opens up uh, addressing the wives and he uses this word likewise. And likewise is a transition statement. It's a transition statement that builds on the structure of pre, uh, Peter's previous arguments that he's made. Some would say that since the previous relationship that he just addressed with slaves and masters, and then he goes into likewise wives submit... Some interpret this to say that Peter is saying, in the same way that slaves are to submit to their masters, wives are to submit to their husbands. That's not what this is saying. He is using this as a transition phrase in the original language. It's to say, a better word might be therefore instead of likewise. But the, the reason he's using likewise is because he's continuing this concept of the, the behavior of a believer. That's really what the likewise is. So likewise here does not mean that wives are servants in their submission. He says, likewise, wives be subject to your own husbands so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct, verses 1 and 2. Oftentimes we come across, or at least there is a thing happening in culture where certain people will take scripture like this and say, this is, this is teaching that women are a lesser value than men. And that's not what it says at all. This is not an issue of value. Submission of wives to their husband is not an issue of value. 
but one of designed authority. Not once in any of the relationships thus far, whether it be believer to governing authorities, servant to master, not in any of these relationships thus far has Peter addressed anything about being lesser value in those relationships. It's purely authority structure and submission to authority. So this is not an issue of value. And I want to be very upfront with that because it can be interpreted that way by certain factions, if you will. In every relationship given up to this point, including wives and husbands, Peter affirms that God has designed the order of things and that our submission as believers first is to God and then through our submission to him, he has also has these other authorities that he has, uh, these other structures that he has created. What's, what I find interesting here, and it's not just in this passage, we find a, a very similar passage in Ephesians as well. He says that a wife is to submit to their own husband. And this is very important because this is not saying that women are to submit to men in general. He's specifically addressing the marriage and the structure and of authority within the marriage. Not saying that all women are to submit to all men. He says that a wife's submission is to their own husband. And he says that, uh, that wives are submit to their own husbands because that's what God has established. That's the, that's the structure of authority that God has created. And he, and he gives an example, or he gives a reason why to the wives that this is good for them to do. He says, so that even if some of the husbands do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. This, this idea of do not obey the word literally means to disobey, to rebel, uh, to, dis, to be disloyal, to, to have unbelief or disbelief. And so really this covers a gamut of, of realities for the husband, right? So where, where it says that so that even if some of the husbands do not obey the word, it could be a believing husband, a saved husband, who is currently living his life away from God and disobedience. It also, so if that's one end of the spectrum, the other end of the spectrum is that the husband just is a non-believer altogether. In either case, in anywhere in between, the wife's submission to her husband has the ability to win her husband. Not with a word, but by her conduct. A wife's submission is an outward expression of her faith and trust in God, who is sovereign over that relationship. This kind of faith and trust in God has the ability, through their conduct, to win a non believing husband to the Lord. 
Much in the same way, likewise, right? Much in the same way that a servant who has found Jesus and, and has a master who's maybe an evil master, that by their conduct might be an example of Christ to their master to where they go, there's something different about you. Why do you not respond like my other slaves that I beat? Or to governing authorities. When the governing authorities are oppressing Christians and, and believers and the believer responds the way we're called to respond, the government goes, wow, there's something different about you. Because our conduct, not so much our words, but our conduct has the ability to win non-believers to the Lord. Same thing in the marriage. A wife's submission to her husband is an outward expression of her faith and trust in God. And that kind of faith and trust can win a non-believer to God without saying a word. Not only a non-believer, but a, but a believing husband who's currently in rebellion currently living his life his own way, can win him back to the path, back to the Lord, by her conduct. The reality is that there is nothing more desirable to a man than for his wife to show him respect. That's how we're wired. More on this later when we get later to the end here. But Peter says, he addresses the wives first. And it's interesting that in Peter's account here, there are six verses for wives and only one for the husbands. You get it in Ephesians, it's a little opposite there. We're going to get there later. But I would say that just because the, the wives have six verses addressing them in this account, there's more that Peter has to say to the husbands than to the wives. We'll get there here soon. So in the first two verses, he says, wives are to be subject to surrender to their husbands so that even if some of their husbands are not walking with the Lord, they may be won by their conduct when they see your respectful and pure conduct. In verses 3 and 4, he continues, and he's, he's continuing to address the wives. He says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. He says, don't put on beautiful things outwardly. Don't do your hair up and, and put on makeup and put on jewelry or beautiful clothes. Don't let that be the extent of your adorning. Because that's just the outward. He says, instead, put on the inward, on the, in, the hidden person. Let your adorning be there. He's talking about the soul, the inner self. So don't worry about the outer self and what that looks like. What really matters for wives in the relationship between wives and husband is the inner self towards her husband. It says, instead, put on the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Well, what does that mean? Is he saying wives are to just 
sit in the corner and not say a word and never have anything nice to say or, or, or bad to say to their husbands and they just keep their mouth shut? No, that's not what he's saying at all. Gentle here means a humble spirit, one filled with humility. Quiet means a tranquil, peaceful, still spirit. Properly, the, the Greek word here, properly means to keep one's seat. Keep that in mind with that authority structure, right? God has created an authority structure. And so a quiet spirit is one that keeps one's seat in that structure. And the spirit here, where it says gentle and quiet spirit, spirit literally means the soul. By implication, the vital principle, the mental disposition. And so what Peter's really saying is that wives, instead of, instead of worrying about what the outward appearance is, quiet, humble yourself and quiet your spirit, your mental disposition towards your husband. Let that be what your adorning is, where your adorning is. Because we know other places in the scripture says what flows from the heart is what matters, Right? And wives, this, this, meant this inner adorning is what respecting your husband looks like. That humble, quiet spirit. Not to say that your voice doesn't matter, because it does. You are, this is not value, right? This is not addressing value. To put it in context, what Peter is is addressing, let's look at some counter examples in scripture that we have. This would be in Proverbs 21, 9. It says, It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 21, 19. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Those are really hard to read, right? But this is really the, the contrast that Peter is talking about. He's like, a wife's adorning on the inner self towards her husband is what drives the husband crazy. That respect. Men are, re husbands are wired to feel love by the way that their woman respects them. Proverbs 31, 10 and 12 says, An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. This is not talking about a woman who just, a wife who just, quote unquote, knows her role and shuts her mouth. No, that's not what this is about. This is about a partnership in the marriage between wives and husbands, understanding the authority structure that God has ordained and created. And so Peter says, don't let your adorning be on the outside, but instead let your inner self fall in love with your husband and let your inner self find humility and quietness and stillness. And he also says that in the sight of God, it's very precious, that inner self that finds humility 
and quietness and stillness towards her husband is something beautiful and precious in the sight of the Lord. And in verses 5 and 6, Peter goes, For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Basically, in these, in these verses, Peter basically is reminding the women, the wives, the, these new believers, this is not a new thing. This is how it's been from old. There's not a new standard here. This is how God has created it from the beginning. He reminds the wives that this is not a new standard. Even though you find this new freedom in Christ, the, this new hope in Christ, this new voice in Christ, in the marriage, nothing, there's not a new standard here. This is how it's always been. And, and, and when the wife submits to her husband in a respectful way, not to say that she doesn't have a voice. But when it comes down to it, she says, all right, husband, I submit to your will, to your leading. And Peter says, this is how it's always been. It's always been this way. There's nothing new here. And so again, Peter, in these six verses is explaining the authority structure in the marriage, and not once does he talk anything about value in any of these statements for wives. Not one of them says, because you're of lesser value. Verse 7, he goes to husbands. He says, likewise, husbands, Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Verse 7. Here's that likewise word again. Again, it's a transition statement. He is not, in the same way that likewise is used to transition from the slave and master relationship into women submitting to the husbands, not e in the same way that that does not mean that wives are slaves of their husbands. In the same way here, it does not mean that husbands are to submit to their wives because it's just a transition statement. It says, likewise, husbands, in the same way that women and the wives are called to live as an example, husbands, you have a calling to live as an example as well. And, this is, and then he goes on to say what it, looks like. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing them honor as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you, full of grace, full of the, uh, with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Starts out by saying, husbands are to dwell with, a, th this husbands live with your wives in an understanding way. Let's unpack that because what Peter is saying here, th this live with your wife phrase here uh, means to dwell with them, to dwell with your wife. Husbands, uh, it's this idea of living in wedlock, residing together as a family. It, it, it's, it's more than just showing up at home and seeing what's on the plate for dinner. 
It's more than being a roommate. Living in an understanding way means that you dwell with your wife, that there is a relationship there that is beyond her serving you at your beck and call, that you do the dishes, that you have house chores and house responsibilities as well because you dwell with her, because you live there too. He starts out by saying that we are to dwell with our wives. And I, I just want to say to all the husbands, I do not do this perfectly. So don't hear me up here pointing my finger and shaking my finger at all of you men. I, I will admit that I fail to do this well at every chance. And my goal is to continue to grow in these areas. says that not only are we to live with our wives, we're to live with them in an understanding way. What does that mean? This means that our, as husbands, we're to get to know our wives. And, and, I, and I don't mean like what their favorite color is or, or what their favorite food is. Right? That's, that's superficial knowing. This, this idea of understanding way is, is, that, is that we're seeking as husbands, we're seeking to know that inner self of our wife. What makes her tick? What is the very thing, you know, in, in fact, it's interesting because what Peter is addressing to the husbands that, that we're supposed to seek to understand our wives in this way is, is the same concept that the wives are being told to adorn. That inner self that the wives are supposed to be adorning is the same thing that men are called to, to live in an understanding way to unpack and, un, and find that inner self. Husbands, we're, we're, we're called to discover what makes our wives feel secure, what makes them feel significant, what makes them feel accepted, which are the three primary uh, parts of the soul that, that we ask questions about. Am I, am I lovable? Am I safe? Am, am I worth anything? Am I significant? We all struggle with those, but, but as husbands, our goal as we live with our wives is to under, live with them in a way, in an understanding way. We're to discover what makes them feel safe? What makes them feel significant? What makes them feel accepted? When, an, when a husband intentionally dwells with his wife like this, it shows her honor. When a husband intentionally is living his life with his wife in a way that he is seeking to know her more, seeking to know that inner being that inner self, it shows her her honor, her value, her worth. Which is what Peter says. He says, showing honor. Live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Remember that, that word honor is value, is preciousness. It's that intrinsic worth. And so husbands, as we seek to know our wives on that level, we are valuing them. We are valuing our wives. 
We're, we're, we're letting them know that they have intrinsic worth and value in this marriage. So what about this weaker vessel business? Well, interpreters are divided on what Peter might mean here. And I'm going to read straight out of my ESV study Bible. Quote, weaker, the question, uh, interpreters are divided on what Peter might mean here, whether he means weaker and delegated authority, emotions, or physical strength. Given the context of the letter, it could mean that Peter was acknowledging the general truth, general truth, that men are physically stronger than women and may be tempted to threaten wives through physical or verbal abuse. Given the context, that could be what Peter's considering here. There is a general reality that men just are physically stronger than women. This is actually on full display right now in, in the college world. If anybody has been following NCAA swimming, women's swimming, with the transgender athlete that grew up his entire life as a male and decided, and, and by the way, was not a very strong swimmer in the male competition. It was like in ranked 200th or something like that in male competition. Decided as a college student he was not a male and was a female and started taking hormone-suppressing drugs to qualify for women's swimming and is blowing women's competition out of the water. The reality, and, and, and at first was applauded for coming out this way. And now you've got all of these women athletes who have worked so hard their entire life saying, this isn't fair. Look at the specimen, the physical body of that swimmer compared to a woman's body. And you can see men just have different musculature than a woman. I think that that's really all that Peter's really describing here. He's just stating a fact that men physically are, in general, more powerful and physical than a woman. I don't think that it has anything to do with a woman not being able to hold her own. In some ways, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like when I watched my children come into this world, I'm like, I don't know that I could ever do that. And so in some ways, I think women are the stronger vessel in certain areas. <laughs> um, let's just face it, all right? Like, I, I don't know. That, that's, but the original language gives us a little bit more. Weaker means without strength. Okay, vessel literally means a container. So if we were to literally translate it, it would mean that it would be a container without strength. Figuratively speaking, it, spe it specially talks as a wife, as contributing to the usefulness of the husband. When I read that, I, I'm like, wow, that sounds a lot like Genesis 2, where God says, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. 
Right? It kind of sounds like that if you, if you look at that, that vessel word. Which, by the way, that verse is often taken out of context or uh, misappropriated because that word helper doesn't mean servant, doesn't mean that you are to you know, serve us hand and foot. That word helper actually is the, is the Hebrew word ezer, and it's used 21 times in Old Testament scripture. Out of that 21 times, 16 times it is used to describe God himself as helper. The word ezer is a word that is used to describe the first woman, but it also describes the aspects of God's character, that God is our strength, God is our rescuer, God is our protector and our help. That same word that describes God in those ways is what God says about woman when he says, I will make him an ezer fit for him. The reality is, is that our wives were created as someone who would give men vital strength. This has nothing to do with value. Peter continues addressing the husbands. He says, you are to show honor to the woman as the weaker vessel since... They are heirs with you of the grace of life. Since they are heirs with you, the, the original Greek here literally means joint heirs, equal heirs. Equal, not one over the other. Equal heirs. Again, this is not about value because we are equal in God's sight as husbands and wives. And I think Peter puts this in here to remind husbands that our wives are equal joint heirs in grace. Because even though God has created a authority structure within the marriage that doesn't give husbands the right to abuse that authority because our wives are equal in value as joint heirs. Peter's words here prove that the relationship between a husband and a wife is not built on higher and lesser value, but simply on God's design of authority in a marriage. What I find interesting is women were given six verses about being subject to their husbands. Husbands here are given one and even though husbands are given one verse, there's a lot being said to us as husbands, and husbands are actually held to a higher standard than our wives. Let me explain. As we unpack the wives, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that if some do not obey the word, they may be one. Nowhere in this example that you're to live as a wife is there a consequence if you don't between you and the Lord. Husbands, that is not true. Husbands, 
if we don't live the calling and the example that we are called to live as husbands towards our wives, it has consequences between you and your relationship with the Lord. It says at the end here, verse 7, he says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Peter basically says, husbands, you have a higher calling as husband because you, God has placed you in the place of authority. If you're not filling that role that God has called you to fulfill, it will affect your relationship with the Lord. Husbands, if we do not dwell with our wives, if we're not showing up at home and helping out doing dishes, uh, folding clothes, helping with the children, whatever the case may be that it would look like to dwell with our wives, if we're not doing those things, if we're not honoring her worth, if we're not recognizing her equal value as joint heirs in the grace of life, our relationship with the Lord is hindered, not theirs. This word hindered means cut into or impeded or detained. Peter says, so that your prayers may not be cut into, impeded, or detained. This is, again, not new to husbands. If we go to Malachi 2, verses 13 and 16, says, quote, you cover the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hand. But you say, why doesn't he? Because the Lord was witness between you and your wife of your youth to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant, did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. Husbands, we have a calling to honor our wives, to value their worth, to, to, to live with them, but also in a way that we are trying to discover that inner self in them. Because in that, in that seeking to know them deeper, that's where they feel that honor in that worth. This is not the only passage of scripture that we see God provide structure for marriage between a man and a wife. But in all of the, all of the examples that we have, not once is the discussion ever around man being a higher value than the wife. It's always to set up the structure that God has created. Genesis 1, 26, 27, God said, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Genesis 3, because of, the, because of disobedience, because of the fall, God makes sure that the wife understands the authority structure because now, with sin in the picture, now it's an issue. Genesis 3, 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Adam, on the other hand, was cursed with an increase of difficulties in work. Because Adam didn't have to be reminded that of the authority structure that God had already created in the garden. Ephesians 5, 22 to 32 is the other uh, parallel, I guess, or, or the, the other major passage on wives and husbands written by Paul. I'm just going to read through this. This one has more emphasis on the husbands. It says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. And then Colossians 3:18 and 19 sums it up rather nicely. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. In both the Ephesians and Colossians, husbands, this word love is that agape love, that sacrificial love, that doing anything, that choice love, that, that we are called to love our wives sacrificially. So women, as I said earlier, that a husband, there's nothing more desirable to a man than for his wife to show him respect. Let me read an article. Article is found online on, um, let me quote that, focus on the family. And the article is titled, Why Do Husbands Need Respect? And wives desire love. Down here it says that men and women have different needs. In her surveys, Shanti Feldhahn, a social researcher and author of many best-selling books on relationships, found that men and women have different inner insecurities. She found that women tended to have deep, hidden questions like, Am I special? Am I lovable? 
and thus needed to feel special and worthy of being loved for who they were on the inside. On the other hand, men really didn't have those questions. Instead, they worried, do I measure up? Am I any good at what I do? In other words, they deeply need to feel noticed, able, and appreciated for what they do on the outside. Different insecurities lead to different needs. She concludes the article, and there's more in there, but she concludes the article by saying, Love best motivates a woman. Respect most powerfully motivates a man. And I think we find that to be true based on Scripture as well. Because really what Peter is talking about as a wife is to submit to her husband is really respect-oriented. And husbands, we are, to call, or excuse me, we are called to love our wives in that way. Not an easy passage for Mother's Day, but hopefully the main takeaway as we unpacked scripture this morning is that women and, and husbands and wives, this is not talking about difference in value. This is simply that God's design for a healthy marriage. And we each have different callings in that. And when it's functioning well, it, it really reflects God. And, and glorifies him. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you that uh, we have your word to, that clearly shows us that uh, the relationship between a husband and wife is not based on differences in values, but by your design, and that we can have trust and faith in you, our creator, God. Lord, help each one of us, husbands and wives, to, to live this life you call us to live, to, to live it out as an example and a reflection of Christ who has done everything for us. Lord, I ask that you would help our, our husbands, myself included, love our wives better. Lord, I ask that you would help our wives to, to understand what it means to submit to their husbands, that it is not being a slave. Lord, I pray that you would be the focus of our marriages and that as wives and husbands keep our eyes on you, Lord, that you would be sovereign and rule over that marriage and that that marriage would reflect your design and honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great week. Happy Mother's Day.